Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 25th, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book. We're in the forward to the second edition, and we're on page XIX, the first paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Mary H., the 12 traditions, Tina S., and reading the text are Penny C. and Tina F. The reference numbers for Monday, December 24th, 2018, the 7 a.m. is 12,333. That's 12333. And for the 10 a.m. is 12,334. That's 12334. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. There are no dues or fees I'm sorry. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Mary H. Recovered in Wisconsin, and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Okay, will Tina S. please read the 12 traditions? Thanks so much, Katie. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Tina. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses under the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XIX, the forward to the second edition, and we're reading the first paragraph, reading through two paragraphs. Comments on all. I will ask Penny C. to begin reading. Good morning, Katie. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I'm Aline. My name is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. As we discovered the principles by which the individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman could be excluded from our society, that our leaders might serve but never govern, that each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There were to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be the least possible organization, 
even in our service centers, our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members are to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films, and in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliances, or enter public controversies. This was the substance of AA's 12 traditions, which are stated in full on page 561 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has. And, of course, we see here that just about every one of the 12 traditions that we've come to know is listed here. But actually, this was 1955 that this um, second edition was published. And we know now that in 1946, in April, the 12, they weren't called traditions there. Bill W. called them the 12 points to assure our future. And it came about because, like any other organization or fellowship that begins to grow by leaps and bounds as as ours AA had needed to have some guidelines and they're very careful not to make them hard and fast rules which was so providential of of them and so it appeared in the grapevine their their magazine of recovery AA's magazine in in um in April way back in 1946 and as it says here, the first international convention came about in Cleveland in 1950. And by the way, that was the last public appearance that Dr. Bob was able to make before he passed away a few months later. And so, you know, without these traditions, uh, it's doubtful whether AA or any other 12-step group would survive and over the years that I've been in in uh, practicing uh, the twelve steps in in OA and in Al-Anon, I have seen that these traditions have served us so well to avoid breakups of groups or other kinds of controversies. Um, I'm going to end with this way back when. Splinter groups started happening in OA, and different different other groups uh, to promote uh, weight loss and, and reco- spiritual recovery started started showing up in in um, almost uh, as um, um, try I, I, the words escape me senior moment, but um, the region six trustee from Canada came down to the Boston area to discuss all this with us. And he made one statement that I will never forget. His name was Bob Fisher, by the way. He made one statement that I will never forget. When questions came up about what should we do about these splinter groups, and all he had to say was that, remember that all we need as individuals to be concerned about 
is to always be protectors of the traditions, always be protectors of these 12 traditions so that our groups will survive. And I know that for me, I've become that protector of the 12 traditions, not in a mean or angry way, but just in a gentle, um, informative way to, to, to be, let people know that we must follow these traditions, otherwise we won't survive. And I have seen several groups go by the wayside when traditions aren't followed. And that's my time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, now... Um, You're all breaking up. Pardon me? Your voice is, is, is not distinguishable very well. Okay. Um, okay, can you hear me now? You sound no. like you might be underwater. No, I'm not. Okay. Um, okay, I'll move to a different location, see if that helps. Um, okay, can you hear me okay now? No different. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to call back in. I don't know what else to do. Um, okay, I'll call back Katie, in. I'll go ahead and step in while you call back in. Who would like to comment on what was Harlan read G. this morning? Harlan? This is Larry. Tina Larry S. Melissa C. Tina S. Melissa C. Anyone else with this group? Leia S. And Leia S. Excellent. Okay. Again, we're on page XIX, the first and second paragraphs on that page. Let's begin with Harlan G., followed by Larry Kay. Thank you very much, Leah, and thank you, Katie, for your service. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Um, I'm Harlan G., a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, we have the big book coming out in the 30s, and most of the AA literature came out in the 50s and the 60s. But during the 1940s, AA was splitting apart. We have Hank Parkhurst, a very big character within AA, and he's drinking again, and he falls in love with Ruth Hock. Ruth Hock typed the big book, and he want, he's married, and he wants her to run away with him. And when she turned him down, she, he assumed that she was involved with Bill, which was not the case. And he's going up and down the eastern seaboard telling people that Bill was a crook. Don't send your money into AA. Bill is a crook. And people didn't know what to do. And AA was coming apart in the 1940s. And Bill Wilson in 1945 has a conversation with somebody, and they say to Bill, we're going to go the way of the Washingtonians. And Bill says, who are the Washingtonians? He hadn't even heard of them. Well, the Washingtonians were a group of people started in April of 1840 in Baltimore, Maryland, Bill Mitchell and David Hoss started a group of people in Baltimore, Maryland to um, abolish liquor, and they wanted teetotalism was what they wanted. Total abstinence from liquor was their goal, and they wanted people to stay sober, but they didn't have a spiritual awakening or a spiritual angle to it. They just figured on humanism, that they would keep each other sober. They got embroiled in a lot of different controversies, 
slavery and they got embroiled in reforms and laws and should Texas be a slave state? Should Texas be a free state? And they got involved in elections. And within a few years after a membership high of about as much as 600,000, which was way faster and way more than AA, they passed off the scene. They were gone. The Washingtonians were gone. And Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob had been diagnosed with cancer at that time in the mid-40s. He died in 1950. They decided they needed to do something because they could no longer govern AA. And Bill Wilson started writing the traditions, but he didn't want to call them rules. As Penny said, he didn't want to call them regulations. He knew that no alcoholic was going to respond to that. And he finally came up with the word tradition, because who was going to buck a tradition? And they were ratified in 50. And in 51 and 52, he writes the 12 and 12, which was written to sell the traditions to the fellowship. And it was published in 53. And we have survived thus far. And with that, I will pass. I'm out of time. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Uh, okay, Larry K., you're up, followed by Tina S. Thanks, Katie. Uh, thanks for your service. So I'll pick it up from there. You know, it was a great lead in there, Harlan. And as the um, society grew, the, the pioneers of AA felt that we should have some sort of guiding principles. And Harlan mentioned the traditions. You know, let's take a look at those, those, you know, some of the principles, these traditions that survived in 2018. You know, it was thought that no alcoholic man or woman should be excluded from our society. So that, you know, no sacred handshakes here. There's no, there's no screening committee for membership into this country club of misfits. There's no IQ test, no, no review of your bank statement, nothing like that. You just have to have a desire to, to stop, uh, um, stop eating, stop drinking, then you're welcome. We're, we're a, an enormously huge tent. We're loosely organized. <laughs> we should, you know, if we got that nailed down, you know, where our quote unquote leaders have absolutely no authority to mandate or to govern, yet we need them. In fact, we have a special name for anyone who's in a temporary leadership position. We call that person servant. And they're compensated, you know, very handsomely in a denomination called Continued Recovery. It's a pretty cool deal for them. Pretty lofty position there to stay recovered. And each group was to be autonomous and independent. There's no, no franchises here. We don't get to rule over other groups with fear and shame when they're not in compliance with the script that we wrote. And that said, we certainly are entitled to demonstrate an exper you know, experiential message of spiritual hope in what we did to change, right? And if you're, if you're looking for a professional class of therapy in these rooms, you, 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 you'll soon become disenchanted because we have no, you know, no, no therapy, no hour, hourly rate, and besides, you'd be getting the opinions of addicts. Now, you're welcome to that if you want that, but history shows that you won't build an effective program of spiritual recovery based on that, the opinions of junkies like me, better to follow what the book says, right? So I'm not lukewarm about this thing, carrying this message. I do it every day because I get the uh, denomination of being able to stay on this beam of recovery. It's a, it's a beautiful spiritual program of transformation, being brought into alignment with God. And that's a great thing. And so there's, there's no, we, we have fervor, we have passion. If you're 
on the sidelines, lukewarm, getting on the line each morning. Um, no one's gonna, no one's gonna push you around here to take any action. No one pushed me around. No one twisted my arm to take any action. The disease convinced me, or it didn't. But rest assured, wrapping up, Leah or um, Katie, rest assured, you will. If you're like me, you will not have an effective spiritual. Uh, transformation by sitting on the sidelines. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, now we will have Tina S. followed by Melissa C. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow. Heard some really great stuff this morning. I'm so grateful to be a part of this uh, group and to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, what I really love about this, it says today the remarkable unity of AA, unity, you know, the joining of us as a whole, that the 12 traditions are the greatest asset. They're the most valuable thing that we have so that our groups can survive. And I love that it talks about, you know, uh, the steps are so that, we as alcoholics can live, and the traditions are so that our groups as a whole can can live, survive, and 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 uh, function effectively. I mean, some great words to survive, to exist, and to function. You know, to perform effectively. You know, and effectively for for me, in my opinion, which I think is not necessarily but it's one of the traditions, is that our groups, you know, carry the message of Overeaters Anonymous, you know, not a message, but the message. And I think that the groups that are effectively survive do that, you know, and I am on board with what was shared earlier. I've seen many groups that don't uh, uh, continue to, to exist because of this, you know, because there are too many people that want to run the show, that want to run the group, that want to be in charge, and it doesn't last for very long, you know, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, you know, I love that I heard the history of, you know, prior to the, the guy sharing, which is, is a wonderful thing. And, you know, the simple thing that I heard early on was the, the, um, the, the um, 12 steps are so that I don't commit suicide and 12 traditions are so that I don't commit homicide, you know. And I really believe that to be the truth today because I can get in a group conscience meeting where, you know, everything is running amok and look out and somebody all, all of a sudden says, hey, you know, God is the ultimate authority. And then you, you hear everybody calm down and to take a moment because ultimately that's the deal. You know, God is the ultimate authority. And if, I follow, if we follow the traditions, we have a shot of doing this thing, of carrying this message so that still suffering a compulsive overeater doesn't have to die and can live today free of the obsession of eating and um, the allergy of the body. And, and that's, you know, that's a, it's a wonderful thing today on this day that, you know, I can enjoy my family, that I don't have, oh, I'm going to get emotional, that I don't have to be thinking about whether I'm going to be drinking or eating today or whether I'm not going to be drinking or eating today, that I can just um, be a part of. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Leah F. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in New York, and um I love the part, you know, like no one can be excluded, you know, and and thankfully because, um, you know, oftentimes when a a person comes in and I could speak for myself, we're not the easiest people to be around. I wasn't, you know, a great member of anything. I was was failing. That's what brought me there. And so, um, and I was used to... um, 
exclusion, you know, I was used to either being excluded from or excluding others from. And, um, you know, thank God I had a place that I could come that um, I was welcomed just because um, I was identifying myself as needing help. And, you know, so, like, I come in, you're withdrawn. I was withdrawn. I was bristly. I was not capable of being a true fellow. You know, I was not able to give any service. Anytime anyone called me or reached out to me, it was solely about me. Um, and and I would sit there with a very critical, you know, eye. And, um, and I still had a place I could come. You know, I still had a seat so that I could come and change, you know. Um, and I had other recovered people who welcomed me. You know, in fact... Um, I think I was even more welcomed because I was such a mess, you know, and and thank God for fellows there who didn't take my behavior personally. You know, they saw the disease. They didn't like the disease, but they still um, showed love for the the person, and and they knew I needed help. And, you know, so what kept me coming was, here's the other important thing I got out of this reading – was attraction rather than promotion. People were not, you know, and when I think about what's the difference between attraction and promotion, promotion are the words that are said, you know, and attraction are the actions, the actions that I get to see. And so I was attracted to what I saw there. I was attracted to what I heard here. I could hear something. I could see something that I wanted. And, um, you know, and then... Fast forward, get get recovered, um, and it becomes a little tricky. How do we figure out? How did I figure out? What's attraction? How am I going to attract others and not promote? You know, um, because I wanted to tell everyone I had stumbled upon this incredible secret, and and in my heart I wanted to share it with the world, and that's very dangerous, and I'm cautioned against that. It's the actions I take, and I'll just quickly wrap up. You know, today, among the holiday season, no one wants to hear what we're eating. They want to see us demonstrate the principles, and I get the opportunity to do that. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Leah, as you're up, then we'll open it up for more sharers. Thank you so much, Katie. My name is Leah S. Recovered in Brooklyn. Very grateful this morning. Um, so for those of you who are new to this program and coming in, you might not understand it, but actually this entire program is based on these 12 traditions. They, they are standing and they are effective and they work based on that. And, um, we identify whatever it is with emotions and we try to uh to see what our characters is really like and that is how we identify and relate it to the food um on page 83 we are told promises and They're given to us very, very um, freely, and they're talked about all the time. And it's really something, because um, 
to be able to say it all the time, you need to be honest. And you need to, someone wouldn't repeat something if it wasn't really authentic and that it wasn't really um, happening. And we are the witnesses. We are the ones that have, that, that come here and tell you that these are the things that are happening to us that happened back in 1930s and that is still happening now. If you follow this program, it is really, really remarkable. And, and um, yes, attraction rather than promotion because some people are just not ready to listen to you. But then they do observe you because they do know that in the past you have done so on and so forth, and now you no longer do that. And they're actually admiring that kind of thing, and they're seeing some really wonderful positive outcomes of that. And it's not only you that's seeing it. It's all around you. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on page XIX in the forward to the second edition, and we read through the first paragraph, through two paragraphs. Who else would like to share? Mary H. Carol R. R. Carol R. Carol R. Carol R., I got you. Kim G. We can take a few more. Carmela G. Carmela G. Maureen H. Maureen H. Okay, well, let's go with that group. Um, Mary H., Carol R., Kim G., Carmela G., and Maureen H. Go ahead, please, Mary H. Hi, this is Mary H., recovered in Wisconsin. Um, and Thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you everyone for your service, and um, thank you to, to Team Tuesday, everybody who's been serving on Tuesdays with me. Um, it just really strikes me today that before I have a spiritual awakening, I am just so incredibly self-centered, and then after, I'm still just so incredibly self-centered. <laughs> But I have these steps to deal with life and that my life problems don't go away because I put down the food. They just don't go away. Um, they're still here. And I just love how it describes it in Bill's story um, about how, you know, after he had got recovered, just how, how, grim things were for him and how he struggled every day, you know, but then, but he had something to do about it. And so I mention all of that just because it's just phenomenal. And it more and more that I learn about it, the more and more I feel how divinely inspired so many things were for Bill's writings to bring us these traditions as well as these steps to help us keep carrying the message, which ultimately means that we get to keep surviving as well. 
as bringing this message to others who who can make use of what we offer. It just, I don't know, <laughs> it's just really, really striking me today. So um, just wanted to pass on that thought um, as here I am as a recovered person, you know, just still feeling like here's the storm, you know, surrounded by the storm and where's my beacon? <sighs> my beacon is this program of recovery following the steps precisely, showing up, showing up, being, as others say who have shared on the line already today, that this program isn't because I don't, I don't receive this because I need it. I don't receive it because I want it. I receive it if I do it. And so here I am. So thank you so much, and I will pass. Thank you, Mary. Okay, Carol R., you're up, followed by Kim G. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Carol R., and um, I'm from Pennsylvania, a little bit outside of Philadelphia. Um, Thank you, everybody, um, for their service today. And I just want to say that, um, talk about the traditions. When I um, would first go into an OA meeting and I heard they were going to have a tradition meeting, I would I would think it would be like yawn, oh my gosh, boring. I don't want to hear any of this, you know. That was the early days of OA. And then after a while, once I started to learn the traditions, I realized that these traditions are what keep our groups healthy and keep them going on. And um I remember this one meeting around our area that I was actually instrumental in starting and it grew to like seventy people, seventy to a hundred people. And then there were two people that got into control of it and wanted to change the bylaws, traditions. It it was like a splinter group. And the group actually demolished. Um, It was was crazy. Um, And then I wanted to talk about attraction um, rather than promotion um, and sharing our story. Um, It's really, um, I guess, led to read um, one of the stories in... um, the big book that talks about when Bill W. and Dr. Bob um, brought the program to um, Alcoholic Number 3. It's really struck me and has really resonated and has been living in my heart ever since, about a week ago. And it talks about, they asked the guy, do you want to quit drinking? And they were very polite about it. They said, it's none of our business about your drinking. We're not up here to try to take away your rights, privileges away from you. But we have a program whereby we think we can stay sober. And part of that program is that we take it to someone else who needs it and wants it. And, like, that's the thing. They were like, they, Bill wanted to tell the story to everybody. He wanted he. You know, once he he was recovering himself, he really wanted to share it with everybody. But it was only like, you know, and, you know, when he started again, like feeling like he was going to go out, he had to find, he he was seeking out, he sought out people to help. And, And this is alcoholic number three that he sought out. 
And here it is. It's a program of attraction. This guy was attracted to them because they told them their story. And that's how it is with us. Like, we just need to tell people our story, you know? And like, and we don't have to force it on them because it's attraction, not promotion. We just have to politely say, if you want what we have, we have a solution. We have a way out of this disease. Um, and that's all I want to say, that I just feel so blessed. And I also want to say that... Time. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to those that, who are celebrating. Thank you for letting me share. God bless. Thank you, Carol. Okay, Kim G, you're up, followed by Carmela G. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. You know, I, I love how Harlan tells the, the history because I think what I have to recognize, a lot of the lessons of AA were not always what worked, but what didn't work. You know, and I see them myself individually that, you know, my four through nine was an inventory of what wasn't working so that I could change. And I think that's important. I think it's important over here anonymous who looks at what we're doing and looks at what's not working. You know, I came into 1994, I'm just thinking about the changes I saw or I've seen. You know, one of the lines I love from the spiritual experience says, what was accomplished in a couple months couldn't have been accomplished in years of self-discipline. And honestly, that's what I've seen many, in many, many meetings in LA, is people trying to practice years of self-discipline versus the 12 steps. You know, there was a meeting I went to in the mid-90s that was over 100 people. That meeting today is two or three people. And over the last couple of years, they've voted many times whether they should close or not. You know, I've seen a phone meeting where the leader used to, you know, originally when I told him he carried a message, but he became the message, and that, and that meeting imploded. You know, I think to myself in my inner group, I've seen so much focus on the newcomer that, you know, we're not worried about the people who are in the rooms who have been relapsing. You know, I, I see inner groups that are concentrating on public information and, and the medical community. I know in my area, we've had health fairs. We've had people who are morbidly obese manning the health fairs. What doctor is going to be attracted to that? I had a sponsee that was told by the leader of the meeting who was morbidly obese in 20 years, only had two weeks, and she was told by the, at the end of the meeting, well, this is Overeaters Anonymous. Sometimes the best we can get is just two weeks. My inner group over the last year, because of lots of attendance, decided instead of let's how can we support people to get these abstinence requirements, they decided to cut all the abstinence requirements in half. And of course, inner group is, is, is flailing, because how can you expect someone with just 90 days to lead a committee? You know, I don't mean to be a bummer, but I think it's important that we look at that. You know, when I came in the 90s, the average meeting was 40 to 50 people. The average meeting now is about five. You know, yesterday I was listening to a podcast from 2015 on, on, on tips for abstinence from a region convention. And what I heard was moderate meals, cut something in half, only eat when you're hungry, only eat certain things in restaurants, don't eat it at home, don't beat yourself up if, you, if, you don't, if you're not abstinent today. So what are we looking at? What's not working? And how can we more abide by the recovery system, recovery, 
and what's the tradition. And just to end with this, ask yourself individually what you can do to support recovery and traditions, what your meeting can do, what your intergroup can do, what your region can do, and what World Service can do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Carmela G., you're up, followed by Maureen H. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for your service, Katie. This is Carmela G. from New York, a grateful compulsive overeater recovered for today. This, this book is our instruction manual. At the end of, of working and reading the first 164 pages, that's the instructions that we must follow for a design for living. The reality is, in disease, I was a very selfish, self-centered person. Bill W. was also very egotistical. The traditions teach us we must get out of ourselves. That ego must be smashed. There is no greater gift, especially during this season of giving, every holiday that's going through uh, this time span right now, it is such a joy to be present for someone else and to observe what their needs are and be out of self. And because we're so human and egotistical, even if we're working program, sometimes our humanness will creep in. And these traditions keep us in line. And that is such a gift. And that is how we use them. That is how I use them. And for that, I am grateful. And that is a gift that I can share today. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Carmela. And now we'll have Maureen H. And then we'll have time for a few more. Hi, Maureen H., a compulsive overeater in South Florida. I I really do love the traditions. Um, not um, because I I once went through them with a guide who who really like illuminated how useful they are in my personal life. Um, we kind of went through it and purposely took the concept behind the traditions and made it. Um, and looked at it from the lens of my personal relationships because for me, the tradition um, was a way of really getting out of self and looking towards others, which I know is what my higher power wants me to do. And it, I, I, needed, I always need more explicit instructions, and I feel like the tradition gives more details. And so when I'm having like a 10-step or a resentment or something that's coming up, I can do the work of the steps to get closer to God, to get self out of it. But I feel like the traditions for me are just like that little extra boost to really make sure my focus and attention is on the benefit of others and what I'm here to do as far as what my higher power wants for me and what, how my higher power wants me to be in the world. So even something like the seventh tradition, you know, being self-supporting their own contributions, you know, does that, is that reflected in my day-to-day life? You know, am I depending on other people financially? 
am I not paying my way, whether that's monetarily or emotionally, you know, and, um, you know, do we, do we have a primary purpose in my relationship with people, um, you know, and, and am I making sure that I'm looking at the bigger picture and taking the, you know, the bigger things in mind and that primary purpose when I am in conflict with people. Because for me, again, like I can get myself out of self and have God ask God to remove my selfishness and dishonesty, but I still need that extra little like, hey, here's a best practice for life. And I love that about the traditions. I have this one fellow who's really dear to my heart who's always like, whenever I go to her with resentments or tense steps, She's like, okay, well, let's look at the traditions. Let's see what can apply here. And it's it's a very useful tool in my recovery. It just keeps me focused on others instead of self. Um, so thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Maureen. Okay, so we're on page XIX, the forward to the second edition. We read through the first two paragraphs. Who else would like to share? We have Lisa B. three or four more. Lisa B., You take a couple more. Katie G. Matt M. Katie G. And Matt M. Okay, let's stop there. And I think that will take us to the end. Okay, Lisa B., you're up. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Katie, for your service. You know, I was listening to all the wonderful shares, and what came to my mind is the word mediocrity how I lived in just mediocrity for so many years in this program, dying, you know, dying in the rooms and picking and choosing what I wanted to uh, apply from this big book, you know, and I love that this is our basic text. These are precise directions and the traditions are something that um, I just chose to ignore in mediocrity and I was dying a slow death. You know, as a compulsive overeater for many, many years being untreated and unrecovered, it is a slow death. I didn't know that that's what was happening to me. It's very different than dying the death of an alcoholic or a drug addict. So one of the things that really helped me was being desperate and the set-aside prayer and not picking and choosing what I wanted. You know, thinking, well, I've heard that. I know about that. No, I don't know about it. I haven't truly heard it. I never really heard it being entirely abstinent. I never really heard it being in a state of a recovered state of mind and body. And that's what happened to me now as I start to study the traditions. And I love the traditions. For me, for a long time, they were like um, watching paint dry or listening to paint dry. Very boring. I didn't really understand it because I was blocked inside, you know. But the traditions are very spiritual. And I have found it helpful to read the long version of them in the AA 12 and 12. And I love the stories that are described um, from the history of our fellowship. And some of them are really funny because they're all human human error, you know, of why these traditions were created. And um, I try today to not say, oh, I've been in the program for this amount of time. No, you know, that I know nothing. I still know nothing. I need to hear from you guys something new every day. And mediocrity will always be the thing that kills me because, you know, I may not have a big 
um, consequence, but I'm dying slowly inside. So it is about um, progress, not perfection, and practicing these spiritual principles in all my affairs. But I have to be careful. Am I going to sleep on some level? And not pick and choose what I want from this book, this document. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, KDG, you're up, followed by Matt M. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, my fellows. KDG recovered in Boston, and thank you, everyone, for your service. You know, when I was reflecting on this, I know that the traditions are supposed to help groups, like, relate to each other, but I actually, when I was doing my reflection, I think it protects AA from me, from my ego, right? Like, first of all, I can't be excluded. That's really not about my ego, but that's really great um, because I am very insecure, you know, and when I'm in my disease and not tethered to God, when I'm in my character defects, I'm afraid I'm going to be left out, but all I have to do is show up, right? And um, that the leaders serve, but not govern, right? So like this isn't a race to the finish line where KDG then can then come on the line and govern. Like if you think about our trusted servants, um, you don't really know who's like, you know, making rules or anything because they're not, they're not. Like everybody's just serving because that's our primary purpose. and that's great for an egomaniac like me who wants to be like, oh, well, who's the leader and who's going who's gonna to tell me what to do and who do I worship and who do I put on pedestals? And, you know, we all have clay feet, right? So, like, any of us could fall. And if we fall, then what's going to happen? Um, and that we are autonomous. No, um, there's no professional class of therapy, so we can't go to graduate school for this. Um, you know, and then and then the humility to start voluntarily saying, oh, my gosh, oh, it has saved my life. Am I willing? Am I willing to give back what I've so generously been given, which is my life? You know, I'm going through the doctor's opinion right now with a sponsee, and it's like, what has this book given me? My life. What is the foundation of my life? These 12 steps, entire abstinence and these 12 steps. Am I willing to show up? Am I willing to do service? Am I willing to give a couple dollars, you know, out of my pocket? Um, you know, and then it's attraction, not shove it down your throat, right? When I first got, when I first got absent, I was like, oh, everybody needs a 12-step program. That's, that's the solution. Well, I don't know. I don't know what's best for other people. Like, how about the 12 steps work for me? How about the 12 steps keep my ego down? And that's enough. And then I can't go on to the press, radio, film, and be KDG recovered and, and, and let everybody know. Because, you know, if I fall, I have clay feet too. So I just, I love the 12 traditions. And I too thought they were such a snoozer um, when I first came on. But like, thank you, God. Set aside everything I think I know. They teach me how to be right with all of you. Um, and that is so amazing. So many blessings. Uh, I'm going to do it, God willing, another day with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Madam, you're up. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam and Compulsive Overeater. You know, the steps are created so I don't commit uh, suicide and the traditions are committed are there so I don't commit homicide. Um, the, this book is very important to me because it's given me a new way of living, of acting on life rather than reacting to it as it's a new way of living, you know, and it's teaching me, the traditions are teaching me how to treat others. 
you know, and how to interact with the rest of the world, you know, and how to be so fully self-supporting through my own contributions. That's my favorite one because then I don't have to rely on other people to bail me out. But it does teach me how when to ask for help when I do need it, you know. Um, like yesterday, for example, I thought I had enough money to get home. I took an Uber to my friend's house. So it was $40, and I didn't. I thought I had enough to get home, and I didn't. And I was freaking out. My friend said, what's wrong? I said, I thought I had enough money in my account to get home with Uber. She said, don't worry. I'll take care of it. Download the app on my phone for me, and I'll I'll send you home. I said, thank you so much. I'll pay you back. She said, don't worry about it. I know you're good for it, and uh, you're my friend, and I love you. I just want you to get home safe. But, you know, it's about those little things like that. I didn't, I didn't freak out anymore because I knew I was safe. God was taking care of me, and uh, I had a good time yesterday with my friend. And I'm going to spend the day with my other friend today to try to learn the difference of what it's like to have an Aspen in Christmas, you know. And I'm going to enjoy myself, you know. So I'm grateful that the traditions are there to help me learn how to interact with others and treat people the way they should be. I want to be treated. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, so we have time for one more. Is there a burning desire out there for just for three more minutes? Okay, well, I'll take it. We have two minutes now. Um, I'm Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and I, have ne- I can't tell you how many times I have said I am so grateful for the traditions, you know, with all of the different things that are going on in the world all of the time, um, which, you know, seems more intense now than ever with all this information available to us at our fingertips every minute of every day. Um, And we don't get on these meetings and talk about anything. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion. We don't talk about um, social problems um, or anything. We stick to our primary purpose of carrying this message of recovery to those who still are suffering. And, you know, we, we do that because we want to see that joy on someone else's face of, you know, like a day like today that so many people um, are miserable in their own skin because they um, can't coexist with food. Um, But I'm here to say that I can, you know, that this is my 32nd Christmas where I haven't woken up on Christmas morning feeling completely defeated by the fact that um, I you know, ate the night before or drank. I used to drink a lot on Christmas Eve, which just seems so crazy. But, you know, I don't have to do that today. And the traditions help me to know that I can come to these meetings and it's going to be the same, that it's not going to just evolve and change into, you know, some type of club and thing that um, I don't relate to. Uh, it, It doesn't change. And I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Um, So we have come to the end of our meeting. And I want to thank everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Um, And I want to thank everyone who helped me today, Mary H., Tina S., Penny C., Larry K., and the Wings. And we'll have Nadia B. and Leah S. coming up. Okay, the share ID for today is 12,337. That's 12337. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Will Tina S. please read A Vision for You, Our Book is Meant to Be Suggestive Only? Thanks so much, Katie. <clears throat> Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.